Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey guys, today on the show, we've got Chris Larson with us of Next Level Income. We had a great interview, talked about his background. He started investing in real estate when he was 21, had a successful medical device career, uh, really saved his pennies in the beginning. I think that's a story a lot of us can relate to. And basically ended up living on half his income and scaling into large multifamily investments that they're doing today. So we talk about his journey. We talk about building his platform and book and podcast, what they're up to today. So if you're interested in multifamily investing, this is a great interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, before we get started, if you want to see upcoming DJE projects in the future and you're not already uh, registered in our portal, you can just go to djetexas.com and sign up for that. You can jump on a quick call with our team. We can answer any questions you have and we'll get you registered to see those future investment projects. Secondly, if you are an aspiring operator, meaning you want to go out and buy your own deals, run your own deals, we've got a coaching program at apartmenteducators.com for you to take a look at. And there's some great free video content that we have there that will help you on your path to becoming an owner operator. If you want to go run these deals um, yourself and grow your wealth that way, check out apartmenteducators.com. All right, let's jump into the episode. Chris, hey, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, Devin. Great to be here. Awesome. Thanks for jumping on. So we're going to, we're going to dive in and talk about some real estate here, obviously, but before we get into all that, um, love to learn a little bit about your background and what got you interested in real estate and, and headed in that direction. Yeah. So I started as an investor when I was 21 years old. Actually, I started as an investor before that. I was day trading in college. I got interested in Excellent. the stock market when I was 18. Yep. And this was like this was like pre-Rich Dad Poor Dad. So I, you know, everybody's got that story when they first read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Right. I was given a money magazine article or a money magazine by a family friend. And it was talking about how to get started with a Roth IRA, which were kind of new at the time. Sure. And the big thing that caught my attention was that that uh, curve of compound interest. And I thought, Oh, you know, I can do this. So I started investing and then that was in the late nineties. So kind of like today, the stock market was crazy. It was a, it was going to all time highs at that time. And I started to learn how to day trade. So I was day trading in college. I was making some months like $5,000 as a junior in college, but I was also not sleeping well a lot of nights. Oh, yeah. So I was Pretty laying exciting. there in bed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exciting. I would just say stressful. So yeah. one of those months I'm, or one of those nights I'm laying there and I'm thinking, okay, um, is this really what I want to be doing in 20 years? So I was about 20 years old. I'm thinking like, if I'm 40, do I really want to be dealing with this? And the answer was a, a sharp no. So I started thinking about other investment opportunities. Um, ultimately, I went on to get an MBA. But in the process, I took a lot of courses, read a lot of books on real estate, bought my first single family rental at 21, built a portfolio. And I talk about this in my book, by the way, which I'll, I'll tell your audience how they can get a free copy here in a minute. But um, I did that for 15 years and then ultimately got disenchanted, was sick of the phone calls, dealing with you know problem tenants and turning units, and ultimately sold all those properties 
um, starting about seven, eight years ago, five years ago, six years ago now, sold the last one. And all that money got rolled into commercial deals and mostly multifamily. And that's what we focus on now. So we've been uh, not only investing in multifamily since 2013, but we've been syndicating deals since uh, 2016. Outstanding. Yeah, very um, natural progression going from the single family houses, realizing some of the limitations, transitioning into multifamily. That was my journey along with countless others. How did on that first house, 21 years old, was it a uh, was it a hard money loan? Was it a family loan? Was it a, a regular loan? How'd you get into that project? Yeah. So at the time um, you could do a, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the loan, but you could do a 3% down loan. Yeah. So it was a 90,000. Yeah, it was FHA, yeah. you know, 3% down, you know. Um, so that $90,000 townhouse I bought, I had, you know, just a few thousand dollars. Um, I had my mom co-sign on the loan for me. And I rented out two of the three bedrooms. I ended up buying the place next door. So I had like a little mini six unit yeah. multifamily, if you will, you know, yeah. two side by side, rented out five of the six uh, bedrooms that I had there. And I was, I was not only living for free in the one, but I was making money off the one next door. So it really, I was like, okay, I could do this. Got my real estate license and just started, started doing more and more of that. But ultimately I, after a few years, I, I didn't have a lot of money. So I went into medical device sales. I did that for 18 years, um, was, was fairly successful in that. And I, I tell a lot of people, you know, my role was I saved 50% of what I made. So once I was making, you know, a good, healthy six figure income, I didn't increase my lifestyle. I just increased my investing and that enabled our family to, uh, we were financially independent, um, by the age of kind of like mid thirties, about 38, I think it was. I love it. Yeah. There's that kind of invest till you're broke mentality, which I have subscribed to too. It's like, if there's, if there's cash laying around, I'm putting 50 or hundred K in somebody's deal. And if, if it's our deal, if, if yeah. the timing works out, but you know, I don't, and this is, I kind of kept this philosophy over many years. I, I really don't keep uh, cash around beyond kind of what I need for required reserves for our loans and stuff. But um, I like to get that stuff out, just keep get it out of my hands, go put it in a real estate deal and just keep it moving and growing. Uh, it's, it's a, that's a fantastic approach. What was your, so, so it's very tempting and pretty much everybody raises their lifestyle to their income level almost immediately. That's just the kind of the standard for how it goes for you living on half of your income. What were some strategies um, to, to make that happen? Cause you're obviously working hard for that money. You're getting promoted or, you know, med device sales is, is a, can be a stressful gig. Oh, yeah. um, how did you maintain the discipline to stay at 50% of your income? Yeah. So Devin, I think that's a great question. And, you know, um, I think the key is you have to go into it very consciously, right? Right. So let's say you're listening and you make $50,000. So I, I, I say this a lot. My rules say 50% and I get pushback. People are like, I make 50 grand. Like, how can I save 50%? I'm like, well, we'll slow down. Let's, let's take a step back. So if that's the goal, you don't have to do that today, but let's make right. that your goal. So that was my goal when I started out. So my first, uh, my first job, I think I made 18 grand. You know, so yep. it's like, okay, well, how do you, how do you save 50%? Well, you could, you could save by, you know, putting money, paying down a mortgage. You could save by putting in your 401k. You could save by, you know, investing in a real estate deal. There's a lot of different areas. So look at all those things and you're probably saving more than you think if you're consciously doing it, but let's say you're making 50 grand and you say, Hey, I want to save $50,000 a year. How do you do that? Well, I, I talk about 
in my book, Make, Keep, Grow. And I said, I'd, I'd tell you how to get a free copy. So if you go to nextlevelincome.com, you can click on the book link and you can put your email address in there. You get a free ebook. Uh, if you put your address in there, I'll send you a copy for free. So um, nextlevelincome.com, click on the book link. So I talk about make, keep, and grow. So first you need to start out and think about how can you make as much money as possible? I think that's key if you're starting out. So yep. if you're making $50,000 a year, figure out a way to increase your business. If you have a business, figure out how to improve your business. If you have a career that you're topped out at like 50 or 60 grand, maybe you need to think about switching careers, or maybe you need to think about having a side hustle. You know, that could be in the real estate field, where you're working with somebody to help them find real estate deals and you're getting a cut of the equity. Uh, maybe you're getting a finder's fee for doing that. Maybe you drive Uber and you use your Uber dollars. I actually met an Uber driver and it was his second job and he was working in a uh, pharmaceutical plant and he would drive Uber in the evenings and the weekends on his days off. And he was taking his money and he was buying his first short-term rental. So he lives not Love too it. far from me in Asheville. And he's telling me this story. I'm like, I love this story. I'm going to retell this story because here's a guy who figured out how to make more money, how to keep more of that money, which is what we talk about, and then how to grow it by, by buying a property that he could turn into a short-term rental. And he was already, already telling me how he was going to buy a second one. So it's really mindset. Figure out how much you want to save, how you're going to do it. And then if you say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to live the $50,000 lifestyle until I get to $100,000 and I'm saving 50%. Now, once you go over 100, let's say you make 120. Well, let yourself spend half of it you know, spend $60,000. That way you're rewarding yourself. And if you do it early on and you figure that out, it doesn't take a lot of years of sacrifice before all of a sudden your lifestyle is increasing. But if you make an extra hundred grand, don't spend the hundred grand, spend 50. I love it. Thank you for elaborating on that because it's a really important um, concept to break out of the orbit or the gravity of kind of the standard deal, which is college, job, retire, which is not going to make you wealthy like in general. Now, there's some folks that get stuck and get lucky or something happens in the career. You know, I was in my 30s and I realized none of that was going to happen for me. It, you know, if I need to be, if I'm going to be wealthy, I don't have to go build it. It's, it's, I'm not getting a, a lightning strike here. So, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that. You know, anybody listening, I wouldn't count on lightning striking. Um, but there's a gravity and an orbit to that steady paycheck that you're, you're going to have to break out of. And it's going to require, it's going to require a massive force, but it's not forever. It's not live on beans and rice, rice and beans forever. You know, my wife cried when I told her in 2008, I read Dave Ramsey's book, Total Money Makeover. I said, Hey, we're going to sell your car. We just got married, right? We're going to sell your car. I'm going to sell my car. We live on beans and rice. She's like, what did I sign? What did I sign up for? Marrying this guy. <laughs> but it was a couple death of to years. his part, baby. Yeah. It was a couple of years. And yeah. now we live like this fantasy life, right? Which oh, yeah. in retrospect, yeah. it's like, well, it wasn't that hard, but at the time it was difficult. So, you know, oh, th yeah, yeah. that kind of like do anything sacrifice mentality, I think is really important for a period. You know, eventually, you know, you talk about make, keep, grow you know, you're not scrounging pennies forever, but you have to have some capital to work with so that your assets can start working for you. And yeah. if you're not working with a lot of capital in the beginning, like I wasn't, and lots of other people weren't, you got to do whatever it takes to, to build it. If that means driving Uber, that means cutting yeah. your expenses to the bone, man, I'm, I love it. I'm all for it. Um, you know, yeah. you, if, you're, you if you're listening, somewhere. yeah, if you're listening to this, you're already invested in yourself. You're already doing yep. something. And, you know, but at some point you needed to convert that to action. So yeah, it that's, that's spot on Devin. 
I love it. I love it. Well, um, we'll link to the book in the show notes for, for people to get a, a download there for sure. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. We talk a lot about multifamily on this show um, to how you guys got into multifamily in 2013 and then why the switch to syndications and what, what did that look like? What was the motivation? What were some challenges? Um, why did you move it in that direction? Yeah. So uh, great kind of step-by-step process here. So I'm, I'm, I went to school for engineering, uh, biomechanical engineering, worked in med device sales, but I got an MBA and in finance and portfolio management and investing is kind of like my hobby. So, you know, some people work on cars, actually I race bikes for a lot of years too. Um, so I'm an, I'm a numbers guy, but I also talk about how I'm a demographics guy. I got into medical device because if you looked at the baby boomers, you could tell that, Hey, they're going to have more surgeries. They're more active. They're living longer. They're going to need like knee and hip implants. I thought, okay, you know, this is, this is cool. This is I, when I learned about the space, I thought this is going to be a space that's going to be supported for a lot of years. It's going to be stable. So I like, I like long-term stable trends, Devin. I like something I can bank on for like 10, 20 years. So I'm, I buy these properties and my plan was simple. I was like, buy enough properties to have $10,000 coming in after expenses before debt service. So after expenses. So if, if they're paid off, that'd be $10,000 a month you know, that was coming in and just pay them off. And I was like, if I can do that in 15 years by making, you know, using the money I'm making, that's pretty simple. You know, I'm 25, I got these properties, I'm 40, I'm, I'm financially independent. So I start down that process. And after about seven years, I get to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm getting 300 bucks coming in a month. I'm paying down the mortgage. It's like, oh, it's 500 bucks a month. It's like, okay, it's not, not a ton of money from these properties, but you know, it's, it, it's getting there, but it's kind of slow. And I'm looking at the equity in these properties and it's growing. I'm thinking, man, I got like a hundred thousand dollars of equity in this property now. And I'm getting 6,000 bucks a year. There's gotta be a better way. And I was, I was in a meeting with my wife. We were helping her grow her business. She's an architect. Um, and this was like nine years ago now. And I was talking about, we're talking about investments in real estate. And, um, I was telling this guy, about my portfolio. And he goes, you should look into multifamily. I got, I got a friend that does syndications and you could invest with them. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. I'm like, but I'll talk to him. So I talked to him and he starts telling me about it. And it was, it was like, he was speaking the same language about the demographics that got me into medical device. And I started out, I'm like, have you read this author? Have you read this author? And he goes, no. And it was, it was like the exact same thing that I had read, you know, five, 10 years before I thought, wow, this is the exact same trend but with the millennials versus mm-hmm. the baby boomers this time. And I thought, all right, I got to get into this space. And then, oh, by the way, the returns were like twice what I was getting on my, on my equity. And it was hundred percent passive. So I was like, this is, this is awesome. Right? So it, it was a no brainer. I just started, I started selling properties and, uh, you know, as far as syndications goes, um, I actually introduced my now former partner to the same syndicator, to the same space. And uh, he, he started investing um, after a couple of years. He was able to leave his security sales job, his um, uh, uh, internet security, was internet security, like cyber sales is what he was doing. And he came to me and said, hey, I'm gonna, I want to start doing syndications. Um, you know, what do you think about being my partner? So we partnered up. 
and the fact that we, we actually had more experience than the group we were investing with from a real estate perspective. And then, you know, from the numbers perspective, we had a good team mentality going into it. So it was just a natural transition to go from being active in the single family space. And my wife and I were building spec homes to being active in the multifamily space. It was all the same skill set. It was just put together in a slightly different way. Yeah, that's interesting. It, it is uh, just kind of a transition of those skill sets. Um, I love it. You know, we talked about return on equity. That's a, that's a metric that I think more that there's a lot of people that aren't paying attention to that metric. Right. And, and another one is kind of return on net worth, right? You, you may have done well, or some of us may have done well in growing a net worth, but what, what's the return on that? And a lot of times that number is kind of shockingly low. Um, and, and you talk about return on equity. Um, that's a great metric to look at. Right. It's a great metric to look at. And you want to maximize that as much as possible while still being conservative and not, you know, not losing your principal, things like that. Um, this let's talk about the first kind of foray into syndications and and starting to raise capital from other people. How did um, how did you guys approach that? I know that's kind of a, a milestone for some people in their businesses when they start using more uh, OPM, other people's money and allows you to effectively have unlimited capital, essentially. Um, yeah. what was that, what was that transition and journey like for, for you guys? Yeah. So we started off our first deal. We partnered with the group that we had invested with. And again, I think if you're listening, you're like, Hey, I want to take the next step, whatever that next step is, find somebody that can be a mentor, find somebody that can be a partner to you because you're, you're way better off hitting like a guaranteed single or double or a really sure single or double than swinging for the fences on your own and striking out. Like you want to, you want to get some consistency. And I think, you know, speaking specifically about syndications, if you're asking other people to invest with you, it's even more important because you, you have got to build the confidence in a very predictable fashion. That's one of the reasons I like multifamily because it's, it's stable, it's predictable. So it's a great area to start in syndications, I think, um, it's also a great area to invest, right? So that first deal we did, I was a hundred unit deal, $9 million deal uh, in a, an Atlanta submarket. And we raised uh, a little over $4 million for that deal, pretty heavy value add property. And I'll tell you what, you know, people are like, oh, you raised $4 million. I'm like, it was four and a half million because that last half million, I'll tell you what, when you're, when you're raising money initially, it's like you scratch and claw every single step of the way. Um, and it, you know, it, if you look at the, from the time we started, it was probably almost a full year that it took us to raise that money. Um, whereas, you know, fast forward, you know, five years and I, you know, that's, that could be a week to raise that same amount of money. So it's just amazing, you know, how, how it builds up over time. But I think the key is, you know, you want to have a team that knows what they're doing, that can be predictable. You want to go into a deal that's, that's fairly conservative initially if you think you can raise $5 million, maybe go for a deal that you only need to raise 3 million. I wouldn't say cut that number in half. You know, if you think you raise 10 million, raise 5 million. Um, and then, you know, really over communicate with your investors, communicate, 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 let them know what's going on. That's really going to be key as you build your track record and your confidence. I love it. Those are such great points. Um, and, and really, you know, you just, Look at it from the investor's perspective. What you know? Yeah. What would you want to see as an investor? What you know? What, what what experience do you want to have? And just build that for other people. Put investors first. And it's that Zig Ziglar comment, right? You can have anything you want 
in life. If you help enough other people get what they want and you know, at, at this point, you're helping dozens or hundreds of investors get what they want. And it works out pretty well for you by, um, by facilitating that, which is a pretty cool business model, right? I, there was some stuff when I was in corporate America, what I, which I wasn't thrilled about doing, <laughs> you know, I thought it wasn't great. I actually like the multifamily business. I, I kind of like all the aspects of it. it it's kind of a win-win, um, win-win setup there. When you guys were raising capital, because that's such a that's such a hurdle for people to get over. What were some things that worked well for you when you were trying to establish yourself? Not, you know, now you push a button, you got a track record, you got investors and all their referrals and it's, it gets really kind of easy. It's like walking up a seesaw. It's hard, you know, hard at first. And then it just tips over, man. And, and you guys can probably raise all the capital you want these days, but in the beginning tougher, what were some things that were um, helpful to you getting that first capital raise done. Yeah. I mean, I kind of did it the old fashioned way starting out, Devin. And, you know, being in sales, I think, you know, you mentioned putting investors first. I mean, that's, that's on our website, putting investors first. And I, I took that from putting patients first in the OR. If you take care of the patient, everything else takes care of itself. You know, the, the money follows that certainly. So I, that's kind of where that concept came from. Um, but really it, it was a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations, a lot of, educating. That's really the first thing. So if, if you want to raise money, if you want to do that, I think you have to think about, okay, how can I educate people and give them the knowledge? Because knowledge is going to make them more comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny investors. I just had, I had an investor call earlier today and you know, you get on the phone with an investor or zoom call nowadays and they say, Oh, I'm sorry. Here's another, I got another question. Or I'm like, don't apologize. Like I get nervous when investors don't ask me questions. Right. You know, I want investors to ask all the questions, you know, give them all that information. So I think if you're, if you're starting out, you want to think about building like an education platform. And really I did this backwards. Like I started off with these one-on-one -on -one conversations and then I realized, Hey, I'm having all these same conversations over and over again with people that aren't even investors. How can I curate this information? We started the podcast, started the blog, started the website. And that website actually became the platform that now is, is used to educate investors along with the book and everything, but it wasn't, it wasn't by initial design, even though that's how I would do it. So, you know, if you're looking to raise money, I think the first thing you need to do is figure out how can I enlighten my potential investors to the same thing that got me interested in this area in the first, first place. Um, I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, that's right. It does kind of turn into, the same kind of set of questions, which is great. It's like, you welcome all the questions, but it's like, you know, I feel like if I had 12 videos explaining 12 concepts, that would cover like 90% of what people are asking. Right. Uh, I remember doing that years back when I was starting to raise capital. It's like, let me just put some videos on out that, uh, these kind of really kind of an FAQ, right. And, and build yeah. a content library over time in that way. And that's, um, that's a good way to, to leverage your time to be in front of people. And then if they consume some of that content, then they come and have that conversation with you. There's at least kind of a base layer. Cause you're going to talk to all levels of people. If somebody's brand new to it. You know, you're going to be answering some very basic questions. If they're a little further along, you can have a little more, uh, a little higher level discussion, but, um, that content is very scalable. You know, you can build some evergreen Absolutely. content, and that, that content might serve you and your investors for, for years to come. And it's pretty minimal investment on the front end to, to put it out there. Um, was on that first deal, was it, was there, you mentioned a year to raise the capital. How did, 
how was that deal structured? Did, you didn't have to raise it all before closing or what, what did that look like? Yeah. And when I say, you know, we didn't like say, Hey, here's the deal we're doing it. And then it took us a year to close. You know, we started talking to investors in November of the prior year. So started talking to investors in November of the prior year. And it was kind of like, Hey, you know, Devin, are you interested? It's like, yeah, I'm interested, you know, getting like super soft reserves, right? Like, like just like, Hey, yeah, I, I would appreciate a call back to let me know what you're doing in, in three to six months. And, you know, as we got closer to the deal, we got, got something under contract, um, you know, going into the following summer, we ended up closing the first week of August. So I'm trying to remember exactly when we launched that deal, but call it, you know, call it two months before that. Um, we, we didn't have all the capital raised at the time of closing. We still had to raise some of the, maybe a million dollars of that, that four and change four and a half million. Um, as far as, uh, like the reserves and some of the capital expense budget was concerned. And, you know, it probably took us another, you know, month or two after that. So, you know, from, you know, October, November, the prior year to, you know, call it September of the following year, you know, I say a year, maybe 11 months, but you know, that whole process. So the reason I say that, um, you know, if you're starting out in this, in this, in this process and you're like, man, I, I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. You know, I think it's even more competitive today. So you may, you might even have to spread that timeline out even further, but don't be discouraged. And then when it comes to building a platform, like my coach, you know, I was talking to him about this. He's written a couple books um, and he's not specific to the uh, real estate industry, by the way, he, he's not even in, in real estate really, but he told me, he's like, yeah, I found it took about two to three years to basically build up my you know, my platform, my list and, you know, get people interested. So, you know, there's just some metrics. If you're starting out, you know, a year, it's a good timeline. Um, if you're building a platform, it might take you two or three years to really build up the content, the track record, you know, and the interest in people before you kind of get to that. So you just have to be, be realistic in your head, you know, put your head down, keep doing what you can control week in, week out, and eventually the results will come. Yeah, I love it. You know, luckily we're not playing a transactional game here. This is a long-term relationship-based game. So those investments that you're making in your platform, yeah. in those relationships, that stuff's going to be around for for years and years to come. So that, you know, you're right. That work in the first year is maybe going to look uh, like it's fruitless. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. You know, you're building, you're building something here that can uh, pay dividends, you know, potentially for the rest of your life here. So slog it out through the first Absolutely. year and, and keep at it. I love it. At this point in your career, um, looking back on your particular journey, what is something that, that you would change, you know, in how you built it all with it, with the knowledge that you had now, if you could, if you could go back and change one thing? Uh, well, first off, I'd start in the commercial and the multifamily space a lot sooner, right? you know, you know, w without a doubt. Um, I, uh, trying to think, um, I would also go into it more with a team, you know, a team aspect, you know, build a more robust team initially. Um, my, my initial partner, it, it was, we really didn't have a scalable model in mind in the group I work with now, you know, we're built out for scale. Like we're, we're looking, we have a team that can manage a billion to $2 billion portfolio. So, right. you know, I think, you know, or initially I was looking at, Oh, this would be cool if we can get to $50 million. Like that seemed like a big number and I just wasn't thinking big enough. So one start sooner two think bigger. Yeah. I love it. That's, it's such a great point. I've had similar experiences where really busted my tail on a business model that just wasn't built to scale in the single family world, yeah. you know? And yeah. Um, the multifamily world lends itself much easier to, to scaling. You know, you talk, 
you hear a guy on a podcast, they're buying a couple hundred units and you check in with them a few years later and they have thousands. You go, wow. Okay. Well, you know, you don't talk to the guy flipping three houses and then he's flipping 3000 houses later. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't scale the same way. Yeah. So what, what is ahead for you guys, you know, looking into the next year, um, yeah. kind of COVID hopefully starting to be in the rear view. Um, who knows what's ahead. Right. But we, I like what you said about control, which you can, you know, we, yeah. that's, that's where we put our focus. What's, what's on the horizon for the next year and, and beyond for you guys. Yeah. So our focus is still mostly in the multifamily space, but we've scaled into self-storage. So we're, we're doing some self-storage deals. Now we just closed on our first deal, um, just in the past month or so here. Excellent. Um, so we're looking to continue. We have two properties that are under contract that we'll be closing on in the multifamily world uh, over the next four to six weeks. Um, and then we're also looking, I know personally, I'm, I'm starting to think about those demographics again. And I think that one of the trends that we're going to see over the next decade is a real need for senior housing. So that's not in the next year, but that's certainly something that I'm keeping my eye on in the future. I love it. Yeah. I hear good things about that sector and then about self-storage. Um, so it sounds like you, you're in a great spot there. I love it. Well, we touched on the, the website earlier, Chris, but let's, let's just kind of wrap up with that. If somebody wants to reach out, connect with you and the team, what, what's a good avenue for that? Yeah. So I absolutely love what you're doing, Devin, helping, you know, get the word out there, spread these ideas that can help people achieve financial independence. And that's our mission as well. So you can check out our podcast at nextlevelincome.com. We have the Next Level Income Show. We got a blog, um, free book, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I also do some one-on-one coaching. Uh, the program's full right now. And again, that's not, if you're looking in the multifamily space, um, I work with individuals one-on-one to build a strategy out, really to be a passive investor for the most part, um, figure out how to make more money, keep more of your money through proper strategies, and then ultimately grow your money working with people like yourself, Devin. Outstanding. We'll link to it in the show notes. Chris, thank you for jumping on, man. I really I appreciated uh, getting to connect and, and hear about your story. Thank you. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for everything you're doing. All righty. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you found that educational, entertaining, inspiring, all of the above. If you are interested in seeing future DJE investment projects and you are not already on our list and in our portal, uh, you can go to the website, djetexas.com. There's a little button there to schedule a 15-minute call with our team, answer any questions you have, and make sure you get on that list to see that next project that comes out. Also, if you're interested in being uh, an investor that runs these deals, we've got a free seven module course for you at apartmenteducators.com. A lot of great free content there to ramp up your education in the multifamily investing space. Once again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We always appreciate a five-star review that helps the reach of the show. That's one way you can give back if you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.